Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. My name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with my colleague, friend, and the preacher at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, Bob Hutto, have the pleasure of bringing this podcast to you. We thank you for your participation. Many of you have been with us for a long period of time. Maybe some of you are newcomers. Either way, we appreciate your attendance. I ask that you put the word out there. Let's get some more people. If you enjoy this, if you find some value from this, then chances are somebody else will as well. So spread the word. Uh, we want to, as we always do, thank the folks who make this possible. I'm talking about two deacons, uh, Mark Townsend and Jason Reed, who are with us, as they always are. We want to thank them for their talents and the sacrifice of time, and also the sacrifices that their families give in letting them be with us instead of being with them. So we're so very thankful for that. We are in Matthew chapter 5, as we have been, and uh, we went through the Beatitudes, and uh, we talked last time about being the salt of the earth and the light of the earth, and the emphasis being that we are that. And uh, each one of us has to take personal responsibility in our lives for being just that to those around us, whether we're talking about those in our workplace or in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, wherever we find ourselves, wherever we have influence, we want to have influence for good. And that means shining the light of the gospel on them uh, through us. And, and the ultimate uh, goal is not for us to be praised and for people to think good about us. But as the verse said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And here we go glorify your Father in heaven. So we want to do everything to the glory of God, not to our own personal glory. Bob, you have some introductory comments? Well, I would just say our, our goal is simply to teach the text, just teach what we find here in, in the Bible, try to teach it in an understandable way, in a, in a right. practical way, and try to help people along as they try to live faithfully as disciples of Jesus. And we learn from it ourselves. Absolutely. And uh, we hope that as we study it for ourselves and become better students of the word we become better teachers of the word and uh, we it's i mean it's a team effort and uh, we can encourage each other along the way uh, from here to eternity amen thank you well said well, we're going to start this time verse 17 through verse 20 a little bit different uh, flavor of teaching although certainly still within the, the same genre so to speak uh, do not think that i came to destroy the law or the prophets i did not come to destroy but to fulfill for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's interesting when you think about Jesus and how many times he found himself in conflict with those who were supposed to be the teachers of the law, the scribes and the Pharisees. And many times there was conflict, not between the true law, and of course this is the point that Jesus is making, but what they were saying about the law and what Jesus was saying. And so that, when you think about Jesus's ministry and how many times he had to challenge the leading authorities with their interpretations of the law and their teachings, you could see how somebody might come away with a perception of, who is this Jesus? And he seems to be just uh, overturning everything that we've known, these established traditions, everything that we've stood for. And he makes it very clear, look, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. The things that I'm doing, the person that I am, my ministry is actually a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so there's no daylight between the Old Testament and what Jesus is teaching. In fact, many times he will say, you've heard it said, and then there'll be an incorrect understanding of the Old Testament law. And then Jesus will come along and give you, this was really the meaning and the purpose of that law. And so he makes it very clear that his purpose is to fulfill the law. And I like this point. He says, look, not even one jot or one tittle will pass from this law until 
all aspects of it are fulfilled. And of course, ultimately, and we'll come back to some of the other aspects of this passage, ultimately, Jesus is the fulfillment of the old law. There are a few passages I wanted to point us to. Uh, one of my favorite ones, and, and we've talked about it, I think, before in this context, is Luke chapter 4, where, where Jesus illustrates this idea of his uh, existence, his ministry being a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4 and begin with verse 16. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I love this, these next couple verses. Then he closed the book. You can see this, Jesus closing the book, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Everybody's looking at Jesus. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And so here is Jesus reading publicly from the book of Isaiah and says, this passage that you're familiar with, that I'm reading, this applies to me. It is fulfilled right here in your hearing. That's a bold statement. It's one of the many bold statements uh, that we use to say that you cannot say that Jesus was just an average teacher or a regular rabbi or just a good man. Not anybody could make this passage to say, this Old Testament prophecy was about me. Well, I was thinking of Luke 24, same, yes. same book, Luke 24. Jesus is talking to the two men on the road to Emmaus. Right, right. And they're, you know, they're discussing among themselves the events of the last yep. couple of days. And and Jesus joins them. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Right. And eventually he reveals himself to them. In verse 25, he says, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses, mm -hmm. with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Right. And so Jesus comes and he fulfills those things. It's, right. it's necessary that he do that. Right. The scriptures have predicted these things, have foreseen these things. And so Jesus' life is is, is the, the end goal. Absolutely. It's what they were all pointing to. Absolutely. And not only as, as prophecy, right. although he does fulfill right. the prophecies. That's true. Romans 10 tells mm -hmm. us in verse 4, Christ is the end That's of right. the law for right. righteousness to everyone who believes. Right. He's the goal. He, he's what the law of Moses was pointing to. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as he's, he is the kind of person that the law of Moses was trying to produce <coughs> in a mm -hmm. sense. He, he's the goal. He's the end. He's right. the purpose of the law. And so not only do we have prophetic uh, pr predictions, right. prophecies that he fulfills. Right. He is the goal. He's the end, the purpose of Amen. the law. And Amen. so he fulfills the law in, uh, in, in, his, in his coming, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. You know, um, I, I thought a, a similar passage, John chapter 5, verse 38, 39. And, uh, you know, one of the things about the scribes and the Pharisees, they were so uh, studious and knew the law and were very particular about di different teachings. 
and yet they miss the sense of it. He says, you search the scriptures, this is Jesus, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And so there's some irony there. He says, you guys are very diligent, you spend a lot of time with the scriptures, and yet those scriptures, they testify of me, some about the Old Testament scriptures, but you're not willing to come to me to have the abundant life that Christianity through me provides. And so certainly Jesus is the fulfillment of the old law. The old law looks to him, and, and, and not only him, but as you said, his teachings in the gospel. One of the uh, examples I like to point to for that uh, particular point is Galatians chapter 3, because sometimes we can have a discussion about, well, you know, what, what exactly is the relationship between the old law and the new law? Because, you know, some people say we need to be following the old law. There are some people that adopt uh, certain elements of the old law and try to bind it on us. Then there's others that say, well, no, it's just the new law. What does that mean to the old law? Well, Galatians 3 answers that question. Start with verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? I'm talking about the old law. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, listen to this. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. I like that example or that metaphor saying that the Old Testament was a tutor, a schoolmaster that brought us up to the point of Christ and faith. But once we have Christ, once we have faith, once we have Christianity, once we have the New Testament, then we no longer need the schoolmaster. We no longer need the tutor because the fulfillment, what the tutor was bringing us to has been fulfilled. And so there really is no tension between the old law and new law because the old law is looking to the new law. The old law lays the foundation for the new law. And you really need both. We're not saying one is over the other, but we're saying there's no tension there. The old leads right into the new, which is why Jesus could say, I'm coming to fulfill. I'm not trying to destroy any of this. I'm not trying to do away with any of this teaching. I'm not telling you to disregard this because I and what I'm ushering in is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Go ahead. And look at what a high view of Scripture he has there in verse yes. 18. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke right. shall pass away from the law. Right. And so Jesus didn't teach them, oh, you can disregard the law. Right. Or the law is not important. Or we're, we're, we're yes. surpassing or going beyond the law. No, no, his very high, high view of Scripture, the Scripture ought to be done. You can't neglect even a, the smallest stroke or, or the smallest letter. All uh, will come to pass. And so all of it is, is important. It, it, like you said, points to Christ and then he fulfills it. And then we move from transition from the, the covenant that came through Moses mm -hmm. to the covenant that comes through Christ. Amen. And, and I couldn't help but think, and of course I'm going to show uh, some inside knowledge here. I couldn't help but think about your sermon recently about Matthew chapter 23 when you made the point that Jesus is saying that every aspect of the Old Testament law is important. And so there you have Jesus' condemnation of the scribes and the Pharisees. He makes this point in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and coming and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy 
and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And, and you made the great point. It, Jesus is not saying, focus on the big things and don't worry about the little stuff. Now, that had been their problem is they neglected the weightier matters of the law, the justice, the mercy, the faith. But he goes on to say, these you ought to have done without leaving the others. They're the paying, paying of the tithes. He's not saying that's a bad thing. He's saying you should have done that, but you also should have done these weightier matters as well. And so that makes your point. All aspects. He's not saying tithing's not important. Just ignore tithing. Ignore the Old Testament passages on that. No, no, no. That's important, but don't forget what's driving all that. Justice and mercy and faith and other versions of love, other places where this point is made. Right. So verse 19 of, of Matthew chapter 5, whoever then annuls one of the least of these mm -hmm. commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Right. Whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And right. so, and so that, that again shows just all of scripture is important. Uh, we need to strive to understand it and practice it. It's, it's of course, it's a high standard. Right. It's a lofty goal. Right. And we may fall short many times, right. but that's the goal we're trying to as Matthew chapter 4 says, live by every word right. that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. It's funny you mentioned, I was just, this is on my mind. I was talking to my daughter and she was saying that one of her teachers uh, was talking about uh, profanity and saying, well, a little bit of profanity is okay and it's all right and things of that nature. And, and, and Jasmine stood up for the right standard. And that was the point. The standard is Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, do we fall short? Yes, we do. Do we miss the mark? Yes, that's where grace and forgiveness and, and repentance and that sort of comes in. But don't confuse the standard. The standard set by Scripture, all Scripture. And God wants us to obey every aspect of His Scripture. At one point, can we say, this is a part of Scripture that's not important. This is a part of Scripture that God doesn't expect us to abide by. At no point can we say that. Jesus never said that. And if the Lord and Savior said didn't say that, we ought not say it either. He ends with this process, or this point, uh, verse 20. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And we didn't go into a lot of detail in Matthew chapter 23, but you can see one of the problems with the Pharisees and the scribes was that they would teach some of the right things but they wouldn't live by the teaching that they gave. And so they would put owner's burdens on people, but not lift a finger themselves. And so, you know, the righteousness that we have has to be the type that understands Scripture properly and applies it to our lives. That was the problem with the Pharisees. First of all, they didn't understand Scripture properly. John 5, 39, he says, it testifies of me. If you miss that it's me, you've missed the point. Secondly, you need to apply it to your own life, and they failed to do so. So in the following verses, verse 21 and following, mm -hmm. I think he gives several illustrations as to how mm -hmm. our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. Right. The Pharisees, of course, were uh, a sect of the Jews. Uh, they were often the antagonists in the right. gospel stories. Right. Not all Pharisees were bad. Nicodemus was sure. a Pharisee. Sure. But for the most part, they, they fell way short. They bound the traditions of men mm -hmm. uh, equally as if they were as binding and and as authoritative as the Word of God. And so there, there are lots of problems, uh, perhaps uh, uh, superficial in their obedience. And Jesus goes on to say, look, you've got to go beyond that right. and deal with these attitudes and emotions that lie beneath the surface. <coughs> and uh, I expect, as he says, your righteousness to exceed, right. which must have been a startling statement exactly. at the time it was made. But uh, it can be achieved nonetheless. Absolutely. 
And so we see the importance of Scripture there. Jesus exalted the Scriptures time and time again. He referred to Scriptures. Uh, he referenced Scripture during his uh, temptations by the devil in Matthew chapter 4. And I think that's a good lesson for us is that we ought to exalt the Scriptures. We ought to hold them in high reverence. Uh, and we show that reverence by studying them. We show that reverence by meditating upon them. We show that reverence by when we're teaching others. We're not teaching based on our opinions, based on our own experiences, based on tradition, how we were raised. But we ourselves are presenting Scripture, inviting people to interact with the Word of God. Uh, that's how you exalt Scripture in your life, and certainly to live by Scripture. If God hasn't authorized something, we don't do it. If God says not to do something, we don't do those. If God says we need to do something, we do those things. Again, that's living by Scripture, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, with the emphasis there, every word. Uh, there's no part of Scripture that we can say, eh, we've got 75% of it, 90%, we've got most of it. Every word that proceeds from right. the mouth of God. Properly understood, properly right. applied. That's right. Uh, we take, uh, try to take, all of us take all of the Bible seriously. As you said right. a moment ago, well, we'll fall short. We do, we do. We and do. Uh, we'll make mistakes. We'll right. sin from time to time. We do, that's right. But we're trying to grow and develop and become more and more and more like our Savior Christ. Amen, amen. Well, it looks like we've run out of time. Uh, it's been a very profitable study, an enjoyable study, at least from my perspective. Uh, do you have any final words? No, I look forward to going into verse 21 and just taking each section bit by bit and trying to see more clearly, you know, how, how do we develop that standard of righteousness Jesus calls us to. Amen. Well, again, we thank all of our listeners for uh, tuning into the podcast. Please continue to do so. We appreciate your support. As we do every time, we're going to end with a, a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Hutto to lead us in that word of prayer. Okay, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this opportunity, the opportunity we have to open up your word and to study it and to teach it, to learn from it. We're thankful that you've revealed it to us, that you've revealed your will to us. We're thankful that we have access to it, that it's preserved for us, and it's preserved in a language that we can read and understand. Father, we ask you to help us as we go through our lives to become faithful disciples, to live our lives as faithful disciples, that we will follow uh, very carefully, very seriously, the teaching of Jesus, that we will follow his teaching, that we will follow in his steps. Help us, Father, to take your words seriously. Uh, to understand that it is your will for us. And help us, Father, to, to the very best of our ability, put it into practice each day. Father, we understand that that's a lifelong project and that uh, we will, from day to day, uh, try to, uh, uh, to, to live that life, that life of faithful discipleship, to the very best of our ability. We understand, Father, that we fall short uh, and that uh, sometimes we transgress we ask you to be patient with us, Father, and that uh, you'll uh, bear with us, that you'll give us time to see those areas that need improvement, that we will improve, that we'll strengthen uh, those weak areas, that we'll build on those strong areas, and that we'll become more and more the, the kind of people that you would have us to be. Help us, Father, to see those places in our lives that need improvement. We're so thankful that Jesus came into the world, that he left this teaching for us, that it gives us insight how we can be well-pleasing to you. We're thankful that he went to the cross, that he atoned for our sins there. And Father, we live each day in hope of eternal life with you when this life is over. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.